0: so I hope that you as adults will incorporate that uh, into your regular uh, routine and your regular way uh, of praying and engaging with the Lord. Well, this morning we're going to spend, we're going to begin a conversation for the next two weeks uh, about standing at a crossroads. Really standing at a place and asking significant questions about where we have come, from where we've come and where we plan on going. Um, many of you have heard and know the story uh, of Alice in Wonderland. And one of my favorite scenes in there is when Alice is, is talking to the Cheshire Cat. You remember that scene. And she comes to a crossroads, a fork in the road. And there's the Cheshire Cat with this big grin. And he says, What's, what do you need? She says, I don't know which path to take. And she's perplexed. And he says, well, where are you going? Where do you want to go? And her response, I don't know. I loved how he answered her. Then it doesn't matter which path you choose. Folks, it's the same way in our lives. It doesn't matter which path you choose if you have no idea of the destination that you're wanting to go. But if you know where you want to head, if you are saying today and in your life, I know that I want to head in this direction, I want to get to that goal, I want to get to that place, that's, my, that, that's where I'm heading, then what you need to do is figure out how to get there. For many of you, resolutions have been made that you've been considering these things. Resolutions that we talked about because if you say yes to one thing, guess what you're saying is no to something else. I have resolutions in my life, just simple ones, of health and of losing some weight and of trying to do some of these things. Well, guess what? It's gonna take me saying yes to that and no to all of this other wonderful stuff uh, that I really love to eat over here. And if it says yes to things like exercise, which by the way, People talk about a runner's high. I just think that's a lie. I don't think that's out there uh, because I've never experienced it. And I saw someone the other day joking of, when does a Saturday morning workout ever start feeling well? And I wanted to write, well, when pigs fly. But I, I just, you know, I'm having to go, okay, Lord, I trust that if I do this, there's going to be benefit to it. Well, we make those kind of resolutions on temporal things. I want to be nicer to my spouse. I want to be a better parent. I want to be more generous. I, I want to be in better shape. I yada yada, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But have you considered spiritual convictions? Lord, this year I want to pursue you. This year I want to see you more established in my life. I want my life to further reflect who you are. I want the world to be able to say about me, that guy, that girl, well, they love Jesus. I don't know much more about them, but I know this. They have a conviction to love and to follow Jesus Christ. And so what we're going to talk about over this Sunday and then next Sunday is how do we get there? What are some of the mechanisms? What are some of the disciplines? What are some of the deep internally held convictions that we need to have in order to get there? And we're looking at a passage which may seem a bit obscure. It's from Jeremiah chapter 6. And it's a passage which is in the context of judgment and discipline. It's one of those passages that you probably begin to read and go, ooh, that one's a little heavy, that one's a little dark, I'm going to move on. Uh, I've got to hit the New Testament or I'm going to hit some of the Psalms which have some really good news. But right smack dab in the middle of this very difficult chapter, there are great nuggets of truth. Uh, that teach us profound things in in it. And one of them comes from uh, verse 16 and 17. And it says this, Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look, and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is, and walk in it, and find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. I set a watchman over you saying, pay attention to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not pay attention. This is God's word. And he add his blessing to the reading and hearing of it. So here you have God saying, I'm inviting you out and I'm laying out in front of you options. And I'm asking you to ask me. God, which way do you want me to go this year? God, I subordinate my desires, my will, my, my plans. I subordinate them this year in 2013 to yours. And therefore, in my humility and in my subordination of all that I have, I'm going to say to you, God, which way do you want me to go? Now, have you ever asked, well, let's, let's flip it. Has someone ever come to you and asked for advice and then done the exact opposite of what you've given to them. And you look at them and go, really? They go, you know, I, like, I was kidding around with my wife. I, we need to get back to Memphis. And she said, turn left. And we're like, got it. And I turned right. As parents, you feel that way oftentimes. As spouses or even in work and other situations, people come and go, okay, I need some help on this. What do you think I should do? And you have a certain expertise in that. You have a certain uh, amount of knowledge in that particular area. And you then go, and the person goes the opposite direction. That's kind of what's happening here. God is inviting the people out and saying, folks, consider your life for a little while. Consider where you've been. Consider where you currently are. And then consider where you want to go. And I'm going to give you an incredible privilege I'm going to let you ask me how to get you there. Think about that for the moment. You're just not asking a smart guy. Uh, you're just not asking some really smart teacher who has her, you know, master's degree from some great place. You're not asking a great counselor. You are asking the God of the universe who knows everything from the beginning to the end, who loves you more than anybody else loves you. He created you, he has protected you and formed you and done all of this for you. And we're standing there with him and we're looking at him and we're going, "Okay God, I'm at this crossroads and I'm not sure which direction to go." I'm I know that my life isn't deeply satisfying right now, that I've been running down my own road and I've been doing my own thing, and, and yet I'm still not satisfied. There's something still deeply missing in my life. God, can you fill that void for me? Can you teach me what it is that will help me quit running and running? I was joking with some friends that we're running and running on this little wheel, the gerbil wheel. Remember those? Remember those? That you just run and run, and that gerbil just wears itself out. And I loved having gerbils because I would take that little silly gerbil wheel and I would place it in all kinds of different places in my house. I'd set it in front of a window. That was my favorite one. I just sort of loved to get the gerbil really fired up. And it would be looking outside, and he'd be on that gerbil wheel. He's like, if I just keep running, I'll be able to get outside. I'll be able to get there. Or you place a carrot in front of it, and that gerbil's like, I'm going to do it. And all the gerbil really had to do... But step off the wheel, walk around, and get the carrot. But he was too dumb. He didn't know how to get there. And so we run and we run and we run. And we're exhausted. And finally, we look up to God and we go, Okay, God, how do I get there? How do I do this? I hope that that's some of your beginning to 2013. But there's some warnings in the middle of that. God is saying to us, you come to me and you ask. And I tell you, but here's a propensity of your heart. Here's a tendency of your heart. The tendency of your heart is this. I tell you, follow the ancient paths. I tell you, trust in me. Go back to my word. Go back to to really seeking me first in your life. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness sake. Seek me first in all of these things and then everything else will be added to you. If you trust in me, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and humble at heart and you'll find rest for your soul Seek after the Lord and he will make your paths straight. And you know how we respond? Thank you, God. That's awesome. I appreciate that. I can't wait to start running down that path. Now, the tendency of our heart is this. God, thanks for the suggestions. I'll notate them. I'll consider them. But more than likely, I'm going to go my own way. I'm going to do my own thing. I appreciate you uh, making me feel a little better on Sunday mornings. I appreciate you giving me your word. And I'll keep it around and I'll use it when I need it. But in general, God, I'd really like Christ to be a part of my life but not my life. Because this whole idea of Christ really coming in and taking center place in my life, it seems incredibly invasive. Uh, It seems incredibly, I don't know, disturbing. And I I I want him around. And I really like knowing that I've got Christ, but I sure don't want him messing my plans up. So thank you. I appreciate that offer, but I'm going to go my own way. How do you think God responds to that? Well, this passage of Scripture is pretty amazing. He says in the middle of it, Beginning there in verse 18, he says, You know, we've already read 16 and 17 stand at the roads and look, ask for the ancient paths where the good way is, and then walk in it. And you're going to find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk in it. I set a watchman over you, saying, Pay attention to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, We will not pay attention. Just for a second, there as an aside. I set a trumpeter or a a watchman over you. The role of the Holy Spirit in your life is that watchman. It's not Jiminy Cricket, and your conscience be your guide, but it is the third person of the Trinity taking up residence in your life, saying to you and trumpeting to you, Hey, watch out. Don't go that way. Go this way. Trust in the Lord in this way. So there's the Holy Spirit that has its role in your life. You want to know what my role in your life is? Is to be a watchman over you. The role of the pastor in your life. And I'm going to say this. And some of you are going to misinterpret it. And I hope that you won't. But the role. My role in your life. Is not to be your best friend. My role in your life. Is to be a watchman in your life. And to say to you. I love you enough to say. Be careful with the way that you're going. And in that you may not like it. But my role and what I've taken as vows as a pastor in this church and the elders along with me in the church is to basically say to the congregation, watch out. Watch where you're going. It's not to condemn you, it's not to judge you, but it's to speak in that way. And so, how do we respond? He says, You just don't want to go that way. You want to go your own direction. And so, what does God say? Fine, go ahead. I don't care. Go your own way. You'll learn your lesson. There is a cliff around the corner, but who cares? I'm just Is that the kind of God we serve? No. He says this, and this gets really crazy a little bit here in verse 18. Therefore, because you won't pay attention, because of this, O nations, and know, O congregation, what will happen to you. Hear, O earth, behold. I'm bringing disaster upon this people, the fruit of their devices, because they've not paid attention to my words. And as for my law, they have rejected it. He says, basically, I am going to let you go your own way. But the purpose of that is hopefully for you to see that there's no rest there, that there's no hope there, that there's ultimately no life there. And it continues in this chapter and others where he says, I'm going to do all of that. In the express hope and intention that you'll come back to me. That you'll come back and you'll say, Lord, I'm sorry I went my own way. Would you have me back? Because we serve a God who loves to restore wandering children. Who loves to say to us, I know. There are so many temptations out there, and I know your ego, and I know your heart, and I know it's all over the place. But And I've been taking away, remember we just finished studying Haggai. Remember that, a few of you, that little bitty short book that we did? Part of Haggai was what? It was God saying, you bring back a sackload of money and I cut a hole in the bottom of it so you got no satisfaction. You went to the vat of wine and you found out that it had been a cracked cistern and it had leaked out and there was no ultimate satisfaction. It's as if God is saying to you, I'm not going to let you find satisfaction in anything else other than me. That's how much I love you. That's how much I want to have you as my child. That's how much I want to bless you, is I'm going to take away all of the great stuff that you think you're going to go get. That doesn't mean you're not going to make money. It doesn't mean you're not going to do this. It's just going to take away that deep satisfaction in it. How many of you all have reached what you considered the pinnacle of your careers? You hit most or all of your goals in your life, and at the end of the day, you went, hmm, I thought it would feel different. Jason Alexander, who... Um, played the character on uh, Seinfeld for so many years, I saw him interviewed. And Jason Alexander won a Tony Award when he was 21 years old. Now, when he was a teenager, he set as one of his life goals, as an actor on Broadway, to win a Tony Award. And he won it at 21 years of age. And the interviewer said to him, how did it feel? What did you do after the Tony Awards that night? He said, well, I had my Tony in my hand and I walked back to my apartment in New York and I set it on the table and I looked at it and went, that's it? I thought it was going to be different. That's what I'm trying to talk about here. The Lord is trying to say to you, for everything else you look at and go, that's it. It doesn't satisfy. And God says, but I will. Come back to me. Come back. And so this year, in the beginning of this year, I've got a couple of questions for you. The first question is this. Where do you want to go? Where do you want to go? For some of you, you've been living a Christian life that is fully disjointed. And what I mean by that, you have your highs and your lows. You're on fire for Christ and then you're not so on fire for Christ. And quite honestly, you're worn out. For others of you, and I know I've experienced this in my life, there's a sense in which, and even in this passage it talks about, you still go through all the religious parts of your Christian life. You're here this morning. But where were you last night? You're here this morning, but what are you planning on doing this week? You live in such a hypocrisy and such a tension. I, I described it in my own life as almost like two bills. There was this bill who was the Christian bill, who was the pastor who was doing all of this. And then there was this private dark bill who was so far from the Lord. And the conflict and the tension of all of that wore me out. It wore me out. And I'm so thankful for God... Of wearing me out to where I finally went, Lord, i got to only have one of me. I'm either on fire for you or I'm not. I'm either in this thing or I'm not. And maybe some of you are there. And I want to encourage you. God wants you to be there. He wants you to hear him say, I'm all in on you. Are you all in on me? For us as a church, we have to ask some of these questions. And consider these things. So today think about where do you want to be? Where do you want to go? And if you say, I want to go with Christ, I want to go with him, how are you going to get there? Are you willing to subordinate your thoughts, your ego, your mind to his? Trust the ancient ways, the ancient past, the scripture, his word, the, the doctrines of grace that are preached in the church. Are you willing to trust that? And then... I hope that what you'll do is celebrate and find peace and rest in him. That's what this is today. This is an invitation to you. To say, God, I lay aside all my stuff. And I come and take up you. This table is for everybody here who is basically saying, God, I want to pursue you. It doesn't matter what you did last night. It doesn't matter what you did last year or 10 or 20 years ago. The blood of Christ covers that. And it says, come and find rest for your soul. So I invite you today, begin. This is why it's so great to have communion on the first Sunday of the year. To begin again with God saying, I'm all in with you. Our response, God, I'm all in with you as well. Let's pray. Father, we we thank you. And we repent openly that we stand at that crossroads. And so often we don't even ask the question that Alice asked. We just blaze our own trail. And then we wonder why we're in the brambles and then lost and turned around and overwhelmed and and stuck. So, Father, we lay those things aside. And this morning we come to you now, to your table. And we hear your words saying to us, I love you. Find rest in me. Father, there are some here this morning, and I know it, they are wrestling with this. They don't really know what they want. And I pray that you would show yourself to them profoundly today. That they would see you. They would hear your voice speaking to them, saying, come home. Come back. Come back and let me heal your wounds. Come back and let me heal your emotions. Let me heal your mind. Let me heal you if we'll come back. So Lord, I pray that they would come running back this morning to you. And feel your embrace and your kiss. And feel you putting that ring on their finger. And feel you clothing them. And in celebrating them with the fatted calf of saying, my child has come home. Let's party. Hmm. I pray that in our hearts we would celebrate the same way in the presence of our Father and our God. We thank you and give you glory in your own name. Amen.